Reddit actually put up the nicest post I've seen about a grappler, perhaps in my entire run as both host and friend of grappling. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I guess I'm just happy that I can inspire other people to maybe like try to accomplish the same thing. I love the fact that you, you took a quasi-inspirational moment from this because you go, I just hope that I can inspire other people to do this. No, you can't. Not in your divisions. <laughs> What is up, ladies and gents? It is your friendly neighborhood BJJ podcast for Rafa Sparza coming to you with another great installment of The Grappling Hour. I hope you're having a great day. We have a great guest. Uh, you are familiar with this guest. He has been on the show before uh, for a previous time where he won something, but blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we all know his whole deal. You know, at, at a certain point, I should really just replay the interview I did last time with him. The matches wouldn't make sense, the, the talking of that. But everything else on the winning-wise would. But before we get to them, a couple quick reminders. One, if you want to support this show, and I hope that you do, go on over to high.page backslash grappling hour. What do you get if you go over to high.page backslash grappling hour? You get early access to these interviews. So that means 30 days before anybody else, you see these interviews. And it means a lot to me because it helps support the show and helps to make travel going to train with these people, buying expensive equipment. I just bought a new monitor over here. A lot of things that go to help to support the show. And it means a lot. And if you want to pay a few extra dollars, you can see extra bonus content that's not available anywhere else. Thus, you could see, I don't know, extra episodes where we talk about steroids, pertinent topic. You can talk about any kind of things where we talk about uh, opponents that uh, athletes respected the most. We also do limited series where we do tape studies with the athletes, where we go over matches and fights with them. And we also do a segment where athletes come on and roast my competition footage. Because I'm not like some people on this call. Some people just uh, waltz their way once every two years and just do what they want. Cool story. Anyway, you can go check that out, hide at page backslash grappling. Or you can also join our Discord to continue the conversations that we're having here. And one last thing, you can also, also like, subscribe, and comment. And we'll have something for you to comment toward the end of this interview if you aren't able to figure out what you want to say in that time. All right, what am I going to say about our guest today? Well, I've said everything that needs to be said in a joking manner, but this is an actual thing that's happening. This is his fourth time winning the ADCC trials. Now, that's a pretty notable achievement, and I tried looking through the records I don't see anybody else who's won as many times, at least on the U.S. version of this. He can tell me. He might know. But I can't figure out one person that's won as many times as him. And he has been called by Reddit BJJ a threat, uh, a terror, uh, somebody who basically shows up every few years, wins, and then goes away until ADCC. Fortunately, we were able to pull him out of his lawyer cocoon to talk with us for a few minutes today. And I am happy to welcome back friend of the show and uh, very nice guy. Juan, Paul, how are you doing, sir? <laughs> What's up, man? <laughs> Congratulations. Well, 
you did it. I, I just I just said the <laughs> words that correspond with your track record. I guess the first question is, where do you get off, sir? Because there are lots of people trying for these things. And statistically, you shouldn't win this many times. I'm happy that you do. But I think a lot of people out there are like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I didn't know that people were calling me a threat. Um, I did see uh, like the flow grappling post trials, whatever they call it, like recap and... I saw they were calling me the boogeyman. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know other people were calling me a threat, but yeah, I mean, I guess I, I see where they're coming from. <laughs> well, keep in mind, they also wrote like the nicest possible thing. Like you read it to be nice. Reddit actually put up the nicest post I've seen about a grappler, perhaps in my entire run as both host and friend of grappling. But when they were just like, you know, you got to respect this Paul guy. He's really cool. He comes in every once in a while. I go, wow, that is an impressive post. And it got a lot of upvotes. So how did that make you feel? I mean, obviously, winning makes you feel on a, a good cloud. But this has got to be kind of nice that the community has a lot of respect for you as well. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, it's kind of tough for, I think, anyone to say that it's not. It doesn't feel good, uh, at least reading that people are saying very nice things about me. Um, yeah, I mean, it's cool. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I guess I'm just happy that I can inspire other people to maybe like try to accomplish the same thing. Um, I did see that some people were saying that I was taking steroids and Adderall and possibly other drugs, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, no, it feels, it feels really good, um, to know that I'm, I guess, liked by other people and, and seeing how many nice things and compliments they said about me. It's pretty nice. So do you think that they're stay, saying that you were on steroids to try and come up with an explanation where they're like, that could be the only explanation. He is <laughs> on the bomba and he comes here and that's how he wins. Yeah, I feel better about myself because he's a lawyer and he's got too much going for him. Um, I mean, I mean, well, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of possible explanations. One being like exactly what you're saying, which is, you see other people accomplishing things that you want to accomplish and you're like, well, it has to be something extra, maybe steroids or other drugs. But I mean, I can't blame them because our sport just happens to be like, you know, it's just, it's just dirty. Like a lot of people use steroids. So that accusation, I feel like if you throw a dart at the board with all the jujitsu practitioners, you're very likely to hit someone who is in fact using steroids. So I mean, I see where they're coming from. And it's not like, like, I guess my physique, I'm pretty muscular. So I guess, you know, it does make sense maybe why they're, why they're doing that. Not, not that I'm trying to compliment on how swole I am, but I'm just saying, I no, no, see we got it. We got it. You don't, you don't have to do any of that. <laughs> Listen, it, the time for being humble, I think got thrown out the window. By the time you do this four times, and I love the fact that you, you took a quasi inspirational moment from this because you go, I just hope that I can inspire other people to do this. No, you can't. Not in your divisions. <laughs> like, you're still competing in it. The person's like, hey, man, I was looking up to you, and I <clears throat> took third. You dick. You beat me in the semis. Like, you think about that as a logical explanation. It sounds very nice, unless someone realizes, is he in my division this year? He switches divisions, though. So, like, this may not work for me. I mean, yeah, you're right. You're right. I definitely want to inspire people. 
to do very well, but just not against me. Actually, yeah, let me put a little <laughs> asterisk by what I said like a second ago. Hey, man, you do your best, except if you're going against me, I want you to lose, all right? <laughs> and that's it. I think this is a very fair version of it because if we're being honest and you look at it all the way through, you know, I root for a lot of my friends. And now that I have started competing a little bit, there is something to be said where when people are competing against me, they're like, hey, Raph, I hope this goes well for you. And I'm like, dope. And then I look and I see that they're in my bracket and I go, oh, that was not what I thought it meant. That, that, was, a, that was a vague, weird, passive aggressive threat. I thought that was going to be a little bit more interesting. But on your side, I would ask you this because you did bring it up. Do you feel during your trials run that you have competed against people on the Jews? And if so, do you feel that there is a certain percentage of people that you've competed against? You don't need to name names. I just want to know a percentage. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, I don't know the percentage. I know definitely some competitors um, that I've gone against do uh, use steroids or maybe like TRT or different sort of things. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't know how to say the percentage. Um, you know, I, I don't really ask, but I think, um, you know, IBJJF comes out with certain things every once in a while. And then you're like, oh, well, you know, I competed against that person. So now I know, for example, this person has used steroids. But yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't really know. It's, it's kind of hard to tell, especially because a lot of people are using steroids in jiu-jitsu just to like, um, for recovery so they can train more, not necessarily to like bulk up. So, yeah. I mean, sure. that That's what they're telling you. I feel like <laughs> that recovery is that little wiggle room that everybody uses where they go, it's good for the athletes. And you go, okay. So is that the only reason you're using it? And they're like, yeah, sure. Wink. You know, like, yeah, absolutely. It's the only reason I'm using it. And I go, so not for the enhanced strength and endurance that allows you to go <laughs> like Captain America going up against Thanos, which you think about it, Thanos isn't really going to let you in on that fight. But all right, whatever. I mean, here's the good news. It doesn't seem like it's a huge problem for you, but for you, now having done it a fourth time, does it mean anything different or, or is it just the same kind of accomplishment where you're just like, you're just as happy to go back to our Olympics, if you would, but does it have a different meaning now that you've done it like for an impossible fourth time? I mean, um, uh, I mean, it has a different meaning and like, yeah, winning was very special, man. And I mean, I don't want to not be like grateful for having one, but it just like, it's hitting different for different reasons. Like, yeah, I still enjoyed winning a lot, but I think this time, I, for example, when I won last year, I was just really happy for myself. But that, but then this year, I feel like I was just really happy for like my team because after I finished, I could see how happy they were. And you know, we all put a lot of effort into helping each other out. So yeah, I mean, like we, you know, we all celebrated and gave each other high fives. So I could just see how happy they were, and you know, it made me really happy that I could make them very happy. So and then also like uh, you know, I've gotten like. Uh, tagged on different things and people are telling me like hey you've like you set a record and i like setting records so that's pretty nice like at least a, a four-time champion I, I thought it was pretty nice so it was just you know different feelings but for winning itself nah i mean i didn't get like the same like peak high that i, that I did last year 
it might also be the fact that you know the hard work that goes into the next part of this. Like, you're not just done here. Like, it's a cool accomplishment to get it. But then you know exactly what it's like. Oh, right. Yeah, no. Uh, competition level definitely goes up uh, a notch at the actual ADCC. So it's definitely like a, yay, you're sending me to represent. But also, this training for the next... 10 months is going to be, uh, it's going to be grueling. And, uh, I, I know that's part of the sign up as well. Yeah, man, to say that, I mean, the level is, yeah, it's night and day left, right, up, down, black, white, whatever, however you want to put it, but it's completely different. And I mean, I have seen a lot of comments and I think they're right. Um, and I've seen people trying to defend me and, and stuff like that. And it's very nice, but, um, yeah, I mean, my first round at ADCC has always been against the medalist. It's never been against, <laughs> like, I've never, I've never had a, I'm like, all right, like, my first time going, I'm like, I wonder who I'll get. Vinny Magalhães. I was like, oh, shit, come on, man. Damn. Like, all right, not the easiest one. And then the second time, I'm like, all right, Jackson Sosa ends up getting third. I'm like, all right, wait, no, that's okay. Next time. Next time, uh, Tractor gets second. I'm like, God. Damn, man. Yo, can't you just give me the fifth place? See, maybe if I can beat him. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, <clears throat> that's the that's just the reality of it. Because at the end of the day, your goal shouldn't be to get second, third, fourth, or just a medal. It should be to try to win. So regardless of where you're placed, um, I mean, you should be prepared. And I haven't done... I think like the right sort of training. I haven't figured out yet, at least how to do the right sort of training. So I can just get there and do my thing. But I don't know. Well, I have 10 months this time to try to figure it out again. I, I mean, listen, dude, I get it. And, you know, you mentioned you like breaking records. I don't know how you stay so humble because I don't know how I would be in that situation, especially if I'm walking by to blast and be like three times, huh? Yeah. It's okay. It's not four, <laughs> but uh, no, it's cool. It's cool. You do this. That's mm, much love, much love TV. Uh, like, I don't know how you wouldn't be prone to doing that sort of a thing. So uh, props to you for it. Do they give you like a punch card now? Are you done? Do you get a free pizza or a sub after the fifth one? And if so, have you talked to Mo and you're just like, Hey man, like, like, we're done here, right? Like, I don't have to do this anymore. Let's let somebody else win. <laughs> I mean, the thing that, like, most people, um, I, I don't know if they know this. I don't know maybe if I should be saying that, but, like, most invites aren't sent until trials are over. So it's just kind of like, could I possibly be invited? Maybe. But do I want to risk it? Nah, hell no. Man. I'm not risking that. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? So if I... You know, if it doesn't happen this year and I got to do trials again next year, even if there's a, like, you know, even if people are like, oh, you'll definitely get an invite, definitely get an invite. I'm doing trials, man. I'm not taking that risk. You know what I mean? No, Paul. Okay. This is where I speak <laughs> on behalf of the community. Like, you know, if you win this a fifth time and we have to come back here again, I don't know that I can feign excitement. Like for the fourth one was hard enough where I'm like, all right, congrats. Let's do the interview. I mean, the nice part is you're a wonderfully like understanding guy on what I do. So you're kind of like, yo, I can't wait to interview. And I'm like, I can't wait to roast you. 
because that's all you can do at a certain point. After you keep winning, you just go, well, I guess I'm just going to do jokes for an hour. Okay, that's what we're going to do. But if you do it a fifth time, you will have almost a decade of terror that you have basically cursed the divisions or anytime they see your name. And I get the fact that statistically people are like, yeah, there's gotta be a time that he drops off. And I was like, doesn't look like it. And that man's still getting submissions all the way through. So I just, I fear for your friends and other compatriots in that division. If you keep going. So I don't know how we can figure this out. I just feel like we, at the very least, you did mention one thing, which is you always get somebody who ends up meddling. Can this get you a higher seed now? Like, what, what's the whole point of breaking records if it doesn't give you something? Oh, man, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's tough, man. Because, I mean, everyone who goes to Worlds, well, subjectively, sub- subjectively or objectively, you're in the top 16 in the world. So I feel like, I mean, I, I don't know how seeding works, but I can just imagine how difficult it must be for whoever's seeding because I feel like people are always going to be unhappy about the people or the person that they're cheering for. You know what I mean? Like if I got a higher seed than X, then whoever's cheering for that guy has enough merit and, and accomplishments to where somebody can make an argument why he should be seated higher than I. And the same thing for me. So, I mean, I definitely, I can see why maybe like seating is so tough for whoever's doing it. So it's, it's kind of hard for me to be like, Oh no, I, you know, I deserve a higher seed whenever I go. Um, just because everyone in their systems, you know, they're a beast, man. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, whatever I get, man. I, I, eventually, I mean, overall, my goal is to try to win it. So if I get last seed, so be it. If I get penultimate, first, second, whatever, it's just, it is what it is. I think at a certain point, the thing that makes ADCC so compelling for us to watch is also the thing that makes it so aggravating to compete in where you're like, yeah, the best of the best. And then you get there and you go, ah, that's pretty hard, man. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like <laughs> this is not uh, your local tournament. This isn't even like going to do uh, an invitational where they go like, Hey man, come in. We're just going to invite 16 people. And it's like, Oh, right. You're going to invite these guys that uh, all medal somewhere else in all things considered. So I get that. And I mean, I will say this. I think that Mo does a good job in terms of the tournament brackets. I think it's probably the best job that he does in terms of his role. And I don't know that I see too many people influencing him per se on that side, um, but that doesn't mean they're not trying. So I, I know that for sure. I know that for sure they are in his DMs or at him being like, hey man, can you put me a little bit higher? Like, I mean, you know, I was pretty good this year. So uh, I see that happening a lot. I want to ask this. You know, obviously, we've talked in the past about your experience as a lawyer and for coming to this particular tournament. But does that impair any of your ability to get ready or prep? Because are you literally just waking up on a Saturday and being like, "Ah, yeah, I train like twice this week. This sounds good. Let's just go do this This trials. Like somebody going to their regional uh, tournament. Like, what is that prep looking like for you, man? I mean, yeah, I, it does affect it in the sense that regardless of whatever tournament I'm going to do, I can't really change my schedule. So I just do one training per day, every single day. So even if it's 
like I did a new breed and people kind of roasted me for that. You know, it was like, God dang, man, I still need to compete. But yeah, I did a new breed and, and prep for that was just one training per day. And then the same thing for trials was just one session per day. I mean, that's it. I just don't have any more time that I could possibly fit in to do anything else. How do you feel that you so, are maximizing your time though? Because there is a consistent result and I think that breeds some sort of study. So for those of us who don't have a lot of time, but still want to be competitively successful in your experience, what have you found that has given you that edge or that ability to split the difference and still find results? Yeah, I think, I mean, when, when it comes to actual training time, um, I think a lot of people come in and then just hope that their coach is going to be able to figure out the best training for them, <clears throat> which I think is kind of like an unfair pressure to put on your coach because your coach is trying to figure out the overall growth of your team equally, right? Um, so I guess the only difference is that when I go to training, apart from listening to what my coach has to teach me, I have a lot of moves that I want to practice. And I, I kind of made a post a long, long time ago about how I divide the room. Like, for example, the people, well, especially during that time, now it's a little different because I feel like I'm just much better than everyone else. Not that I'm, I'm not trying to talk shit about my own teammates, but I'm just much better than most of my teammates. Uh, but yeah, like, for example, you can easily divide the room into three camps. Okay, the people that you're, let's just call it objectively better than, which is the people that you always beat, right? The camp of the people who sometimes you go back and forth and the people who are just better than you, right? So the people who are better than you, like for example, if you're a purple belt, maybe you can just go by belts. If you're a purple belt, the black belts are always whooping on you. Okay, just only do your A game. Whatever you're best at, do you feel like you're really confident in so you can really work to sharpen those tools, right? You're still going to get beat. But maybe one day when you finally hit that triangle, your favorite triangle, whatever, you'll see like, okay, I'm, I'm really pushing this triangle to the next level, right? And the people that you're way better than only try new moves, right? Like whatever those new moves are that you just saw it on YouTube, right? You saw the host of a podcast, you know, I'm not going to say which podcast, maybe any podcast you saw him hitting a move and you really liked it. Maybe go try that move for the first time, right? You're not going to hit it necessarily, but you'll start working on it. And in that middle of the camp, right, is those moves that you transition from, I suck terribly at, so I'm starting to get pretty good. Try try sprinkling those moves against those guys every once in a while, that middle of the camp. I think it's going to be pretty difficult because your ego, again, someone who you're battling back and forth with, your ego is going to be like, hey, only do your best moves and still beat them. But that's when you can like, instead of allowing your ego to like slow down your progress, you can just try to sprinkle in those moves that you think you're getting better at and maybe you won't hit it every single time but it's just an easier way to like improve your progress instead of just waiting for your coach to do everything so at least that's the way i when i go into training that's the way i view it so that way i'm consistently trying new moves and it's not taking like three months to take a move from white belt level to black belt level as you guys maybe have seen with my leg locks which i didn't do at all and then i just started doing leg locks and i blew them like as quickly as possible and now I feel like I'm pretty good at it. Okay. So when you say you divide up the room and you're doing it, like, is that multiple times during the week or is that like an actual session? 
where you you kind of get to the rolling aspect of it. Like, what is that breakup? Because I want to say this is this sounds very similar to what I try to do. I do not have your results. So I'm just I'm trying to figure out what this little missing piece is, because, again, if I don't get the right answer here, I'm just going to say it's steroids. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I can link better my training to, to sync up with yours. Cause I feel I'm on limited time too, but I think I train a little bit more than you and I have a lot less results. So I'm just curious on the, the mechanics of how you're breaking it up. So are we talking like at the end of maybe instruction or, or how does that work for your kind of daily session then? Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, I'm not going to go into, like the drilling part where the coach sure. is showing something and then just go do my own thing. Cause I feel like, you know, that's not good for the team morale, but during live rolling. Yeah. That's, that's when it's kind of like, it's your room to experiment, experiment with however you want. So, I mean, be, yeah, because there, there's, there's absolutely no guidelines into how you decide how you, and you decide how your rolling goes. Right. So yes, yeah, only during live session, unless your coach is like, Hey, drill, whatever you want, then yeah. I mean, you know, whatever moves that you feel like you want to drill with, drill. And I would always suggest that you drill the moves that you're terrible at. Like, don't drill moves that you're amazing at because you can just do that during live rolling and then you can just confirm, like, okay, I'm so really good at them, right? Like, don't waste your time that way. So I see people, <clears throat> like, I don't know, especially in the gi, like, don't fucking do this shit back and forth with the gi. I don't, I don't know. I'm not really sure where that's working, but it's kind of like, You've done that move a million times and you're going to do it a million more for what? Like, you're not really going to get anything out of it. But, um, yeah, so the, the thing that I told you about the body in the room is during live rolling. Copy that. Okay, cool. I'm, again, just trying to narrow down my thing and, and trying to get out of the steroids only camp. And then you mentioned something else that I think threw me where you're like, I don't know, maybe your favorite podcaster. You're not going to name names. That can't possibly be me. No one sees any of my moves. If you're trying to replicate anything, well, wait, I'm not going to say that. Let me go first. Can I understand who you're saying? Are you saying Chewy? Are you saying somebody who's actually good at jujitsu? Are you trying to insinuate that's me? Because if you're paying attention to the moves that I'm doing, I'm curious where the hell that would ever be coming from. I mean, look, everyone's going to have their own different podcaster, but I'll, I mean, at least from what I've seen on your Instagram, you put some moves here and there. I mean, are they mostly WWE or F moves? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but you're still putting moves, man. And maybe someone's like, hey, maybe I could try this out. You know what I mean? Maybe I could crank someone's face. Who knows? <laughs> I will be 100% honest with you. Uh, I have gotten people who have been like, yo, you want to teach like a WWE BJJ class? And I'm like, no. And they go, why? I go, this is a gag. And they're like, but you catch it on people when you're rolling with them. And I go, Sure. Sure. I do. I will say that. But I feel like we should learn real jujitsu. And the reason why I catch those moves is because I tell people, I go, if you're doing real jujitsu, the likelihood of you getting caught in most of these moves kind of small. Like, if you really think about the logic of this, I don't think I'm catching you in a Boston crap. I'll try. <laughs> but I feel like my own leg might get massacred in the, in the, the actual exchange of it. Do I think you can hit a Boston Crab on somebody at ADCC? I don't know. It looks pretty good. And I've got ways to set it up. So I'd be happy to funnel them your way. Look, all I'm going to say is I've seen that move now be hit on in or at least in an MMA fight. So I feel like it can be hit anywhere. All right. Oh, absolutely. And here's the thing. That MMA fight, I've been tagged in it no less than a million times. <laughs> and the worst part about it is... 
I've had people be like, you think this is real? And I go, I don't know, man. That dude looked really bad who he was fighting against. And he did look like he was just giving up or letting him get the move on. I was like, if you look at how Craig does it, Craig Jones, when he does a Boston Crab, I go, nah, it's pretty legit. He's pretty good at it. Um, and obviously a master at jujitsu in his own right. But I tell people, I'm like, oh, I, I hit it on people here and there. But um, I would say this, though. I would have taught you the move gladly if you would have shown up in Los Angeles and come to train with me. But now I'm putting it all together. Now I know why you didn't want to come train with me. Oh, my God. First of all, man, I told you I just didn't have time. But next, if I go and I have even one hour of free time, I will go and train so you can show me that move. And if you show me that move and I, and I learn how to do it well, I will hit it in a match. You have my word. I believe you. I just, I was so in the mode. Let me, let me tell you how this, this goes. This is a very real version of what happens on my side. Right. I always put a blanket statement out to every guest. Let's say 99%. There's a couple that I'm sure for whatever reason we end an interview, we both go, okay. But for the most part, everybody, I'm like, Hey, if you're ever in town in LA, you're in my hood, please come train. I don't actually believe they're going to do it, but I always put it out. And with you, I'm like, oh, you're in town? Come train. And you're like, yeah, of course, brother. Let me let me figure out what the times are. And I go, this man's not going to train. But I will 100% make sure to put the invite. And I'll double check. Like, hey, are we going to train? And the worst note to get is always the one that goes, my brother, you know, the sun, the moon, the, the clouds, they all strategized against me. Uh, it's my mother's birthday. My dog forgot uh, to lock the door. And now he ran out of the house. Like every time you hear some wild excuse that I just go, okay. So for yours, it was just particularly heartbreaking because I'm trying to learn your shit and uh, have a nice day. And I would buy you food or a beer or something. Uh, but, you know, I get it. I get it, dude. I get it. I'm telling you, I'll drop by. I'm not, okay, I'm not okay. BSing you, man. I'll drop in. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. We'll make that happen. We'll get, let's get back to your celebration. Though. This is <laughs> I just, I thought on the off chance you were actually referring to me. I was like, I can't just let that go as an interviewer. I was like, tell me if you got some other interviewer. Cause if it's Ryan Ford over at BJJ fanatics and his podcast, uh, that ain't it fam. Uh, anyway, let me, anyway, what I want to ask is let's go through your day. I want to go through your competition. You started off your first day very well submission very quickly so i'd like to do a quick little hit list on uh what it was you were competing that day so talk us through that very first match if you wouldn't mind okay yeah first match um so i had six matches total and then uh, i know there were some guys who had round of 128 mm -hmm. so i guess i had a buy for that first one and then my first actual match was against Sean McCleary, I mean, pool guard, like always, and I think I told you last time, I always look up my opponents. I think it's a terrible mistake for a lot of people who don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, they, it's kind of like, why? You can just do a quick strategy or at least see, like, what he's best at and then um, try to come up with a quick strategy beforehand. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but at least you have a game plan, right? But yeah, I look him up very quickly, um, and I see that he likes footlocks. Um, so I'm like, all right, this is great. You know, he's gonna go for the same thing I'm gonna go for. Maybe I catch something. So I pull guard. I see him initially try to pull my legs, um, 
then I think he just abandons it. And I think that was his mistake. Because he abandons it and then tries to pull on my neck, which means his, his weight is forward. <clears throat> and then I go for like sort of like an X-guard sweep. And as he lands, I start cranking the foot and then he taps. Um, it was a little bit of an early tap. I do remember that. And I, you know, as, as we finished, I asked him, like, hey, you know, were you hurt? Like, is everything okay? And then he just told me, he's like, hey, man, like, you know, you had a grip on it. And I just didn't want you to just crank that thing. So I was like, I just tapped. And I was like, okay, all right, I can respect that. Um, yeah, super nice guy. We talked a lot after. and Yeah, but that's pretty much first match. I have to say, from our perspective, I did see that match. <clears throat> and there was some confusion. I was like, did he tap? Because it, it did happen oddly in transition. And then I did put myself in his shoes. And I was like, I don't know, I might tap too. Um, but I did like the X guard. I love that entry. It just, it's because the X guard had such a glide to it that you didn't see him land that you just thought to yourself, I think that was the gentlest submission that could have come. Like in my head, I go, no, that was the nice guy version of whatever that was going to be. Because if that dude landed hip on the ground, that would have been bad news. And so I was very much like, I had, I think one of my friends, I think uh, what my director was looking at me and he's like, did he tap? And I'm like, yeah, I think so. And then I was just a little confused. Lots of TV screens going on at once. And I just go, oh, good. It's fine. It means Paul advances. And we move on. So I thought a good way to start a day. You don't have to burn any energy. And I think that's actually uh, probably in the best interest for that. But guess what? The next match doesn't take that much more out of you. You end up getting a sub within a minute 33. Talk us through your second match in the round of 32, sir. Okay, second match. Um, so I actually didn't get an opportunity to uh, look at my opponent beforehand, and that kind of sucked. So hold uh, on, hold on, hold on. Is it that you didn't get an opportunity because it was too back-to-back, or were you not able to find information on that opponent, just maybe within that time span? Yeah, I just couldn't find any videos that would show me like what his game was because so the the match before was the day before, and then that and then the next match was the following day. But I just didn't find anything. I just wasn't really sure what his game was. Uh, it ended up again just kind of favoring me because it was foot locks, you know, or leg locks. So it just kind of worked out yet again um, because I think at least in my game, and I, I can't remember who hit me up about this, but. I, I think it was a guy I met when I was traveling in Brazil. He hit me up about uh, strategizing for ADCC World. And I just kind of told him, like, look, if the guy plays for points, it's tougher for my game. But if the guy plays for submissions, it's much easier for me to get the W. Um, and um, so anyway, so th this guy was all about leg locks. And uh, I think we both pull, and then we're just kind of messing with some, with some, you know, trying to figure it out. And then I was like, oh, man, he keeps he keeps overextending his leg. As we're just kind of trying to figure out each other's leg lock game, he keeps overextending his leg. So if I were to just tend, stand up and do a, a back step or however you call it, I, I'm pretty sure I can get it. So then I just kind of slowly stand up, acting like I'm going to try to play some top game and hit that little sit back, catch the leg, uh, catch the leg like on the inside or on the 411 position. And he goes to roll, and as we're rolling, I flip it to the outside, and then I hold it. And then this is something that he and I talked about after, which is a lot of people grab at the knee, and I grab at, at like at the foot itself. So I, and I pin it against myself. So there is no more rotating once you pin that foot against yourself. Um, 
the only issue was when I was holding that foot, he tried to rotate more and, and his knee just popped like super, yeah, super hard. And then, I, I mean, you can kind of see it in the video. I was like, oh, shit, man, are you okay? Yeah, it was gross. And then he was like, oh, yeah, man, yeah, I'm okay. I was like, hey, you know, just be careful standing up. And if you feel any weakness or whatever, you know, just be careful. And then that was it. Okay. I, I think I knew where I was going on the question, but now I'm going to slightly alter it. Because you mentioned something where you go, yeah, we talked about the grip exchange afterwards. And I'm like, who's doing this? Like, you have time to just be like, hey, man, here's a, a little note on how I did it. Like, I mean, I guess if it, my knee didn't burst into shambles, I would want to compete against you just to get the fucking intel afterwards. But then you mentioned that you're doing the good guy thing of being like, by the way, rest and elevate. It's all about rice. Make sure <laughs> you're doing this. So are you a doctor as well now? Like, what's happening here, Paul? Not rice, man. That's funny as fuck. Uh... No, man. I mean, I'm, here's the thing, man, because for me, like my best days in competition and, and luckily I have so many years of experience that, you know, I've tried everything. I've tried like the, the like, I'm going to go in there with like, uh, you know, and beat his ass or whatever mentality. Right. And I always do my best when I'm just relaxed and having fun and enjoying myself. And, and like, and when I just treat it like training. And in training, I always look out for my partners. You know, I don't want to hurt anyone. Like, I do want to do well, and I want to get a submission. And I'm going to crank the submission, especially in competition. I'm going to go for it. You know what I mean? But ultimately, I don't want I don't want to hurt you. I wish you would just tap. And if it's like a freak little pop like this one, you know, of course, I feel bad. And I want to make sure that he's okay. So, you know, I just ask him, like, yeah, man, are you okay? And, uh, oh, I mean, I, I popped my LCL one. So, that's I guess that's what I was thinking. I popped my LCL. And I had a lot of instability, so I was just like, hey, you know, just my experience is you may suffer some instability. You know what I mean? I'm not Mayo, you know, I'm not like, what is it called? Uh, when you Google like your symptoms. You're like WebMD all of a sudden. You're that's the guy right, that's, that's right. like, you know, I've been to this rodeo a few times, sir. Uh, this is what you need to do. I mean, I do the same at my gym. I literally tell our guys, because they come to me because glasses. They're like, well, Raph's the smart one. I go, uh -oh. That's not going to work. Right? And so when they walk over to me, I'll be like, well, here's some practical advice. And then I go, I must emphasize, I am not a doctor. None of us are doctors. Please go see a specialist. And they'll always laugh because they go, hey, I did see a doctor. And I go, yeah. And they're like, they said what you said. I go, well, I guess the Google did not lay me uh, astray on this one. I think I watched a YouTube video on that. And credit to them. So uh, you can put a lot of things together. It's just, it should not be in supplement for that. You mentioned that. And I, I do notice this though. It was that, that reap over the triangle on the reap. It looked like in that kind of transition, that, that lock was so good that as you mentioned, you didn't even have to put the world's biggest amount of pressure on it. It was just kind of like, yeah, that, that, actual position itself did a lot of it and then in that transition as you mentioned a little bit of a freak accident it still was one that i was highly concerned for that gentleman uh just in that transition because i go i don't think you're gonna lose that yeah i mean i mean so almost immediately after i came back from trials everyone started you know we talked about like 411 defense and then everyone in my gym uh, you know, especially at this point, knows how to do 411 defense really well and how to roll and everything. So then I had to figure out a way to like keep them locked in so I could figure out, so I could eventually get the, the leg lock. And that's where I developed that switch. 
and I tried everything, I, you know, switching from the knee, switching from the foot, and, and eventually I just kind of figured out how to switch it to my foot and keep them trapped. And you can do like Z-lock from there and a bunch of other like different um, leg lock finisher, finishing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a really tight position. And then on, at least I guess this opponent, he just did it to himself because he tried to roll from a position that he was fully locked in, right? But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I feel bad. But when we talked after, he was like, you know, I feel fine and all this stuff. So I was like, all right, you know. You're fine, man. Sure. I mean, again, not a doctor. That works also for that person as well. Because I've definitely <laughs> said, I feel fine. I'm great. And then like, I go back and I'm like, what's wrong? My body's dying on me. So hopefully he is still all good and whatnot. You go to your third match. Now we're once again in that kind of about a minute 30 of a match. So talk to me about this third match that you have, sir. God dang. So this third match is against Daishi Goto. He is like just a straight beast, beast of a man. And and here's the thing. If you ever see him, I feel like he is as wide as he is tall. This man is like, he's just like a walking tank. I'm not even, I wish I were exaggerating. Like this man is massive, uh, but also one of the nicest people I've ever met and just like a straight gentleman. But anyway, that's besides the point. Uh, I, so I competed against him in 2020 when he was just a purple belt and we had like a super intense wrestling match. Uh, and then I told him after that match, if you and I ever go again, I'm pulling guard, man. I'm not, I'm not going through this. This was miserable. I, I didn't, I have, I had no fun in this match whatsoever. This sucked. Uh, so I, you know, I kept true to my word and I pulled guard. Oh, also this is just a little shout out to Daishi. He actually pushed, uh, Bodoni to overtime when they faced each other. Uh, and he, I mean, he almost had that match, honestly. And it was in one of the ADCC opens, you know, everyone should look it up. That usually is definitely one of the up and comers. And, you know, hopefully when he's at his peak, I'm long gone, man. Cause I don't <laughs> want to deal with that. Yes, man. This guy's way too small for, for any enjoyment whatsoever. But <clears throat> anyway, pull guard right away. Uh, I'm trying to get to the legs. Daishi's doing a great job. He goes to both of his knees, putting a lot of pressure with his chest. So it's really difficult for me to get underneath. Um, I can't remember exactly what he... He did some jumping shit when it looked like... On film, it looks like I'm trying to grab something. But in reality, I was just like, oh, shit. What's happening right now, man? I was like, oh. Super athletic. And then I was like, okay. All right, let me let me go ahead and hone in on a, on a submission real quick because if he gets to points, I don't know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like he's so athletic yeah. that maybe he passes guard, maybe he does something. So I was like, okay, I got to get to it real quick. Um, so I started doing a head and arm control, right, looking for the foot. But then I realized that he has like he's he's hiding his feet so well, right, that he's leaving his upper body completely exposed. So then I'm looking at the feet. And I just whoo, hit him with that triangle real quick, um, you know. And then, and then from the triangle, he starts trying to pull out, and then his elbows right, right, like at the cusp of the of the triangle. So hit him with the elbow or with the armbar. Nice. You know, yeah. I noticed he did one thing uh, that I don't know that it per se made me laugh, but it's something similar that I do where you try for that kind of like esteema control on that foot, where you're just kind of like, but you look at the person like, is it doing anything? No? All right. We'll just move it. I'll just try to grip the legs. But he definitely had that look at you. And to his credit, 
My man looks like a samurai, like a hundred percent looks like when you mentioned that he's a big dude, I'm like, yeah, this is a dude who's fought in previous centuries in a war somewhere. Like just from the outlook of how he he's coming out in his presentation. That's right. My man's genetics are different, like <laughs> different. I'm telling you. And I think, I think Daish is still only a brown belt. Um, so, I mean, he's, he, you know, he has some years left of just soaking in soul, solely jujitsu technique. And again, hopefully when he finally hits that peak, I am long gone, man. God damn, this man is built different. I'm glad that you're you're already looking ahead to the future and you're like, once I'm done, someone can have that division. It'd be cool if it's him. So, oh, good. You guys figure it out. You fight amongst yourselves while I'm on the, uh, the golf course, retired and kicking back some beers and whatnot. So this is where I feel like you probably should get the most roasting. It took you a full five minutes and five, 58 seconds to submit Bradley. And I just thought like, is he losing it? Is the momentum going away? Cause he was doing it so quickly. And then now it's taken him forever. Uh, however, Bradley is a very game competitor and we've seen him undergo a lot of stress when he's competing and still prove to be very resourceful. So tell me a little bit about that match, sir. Yeah. I mean, so against Bradley, um, I, I had definitely, I think I had like three or four, entries leg lock entries but yeah i mean he was just good at defending them and more than a lot of my other opponents i think he was he was very comfortable in those positions um so i mean yeah i mean you know you're not gonna be able to hit your go-to move on everyone which is exactly what happened here i'm because i tried I'm telling you, I tried like three or four different entries and every time he would just like, you know, do a little movement here and there. And I was just like, fuck, he's out again. All right, I'll hit him with the next one. You know, time to hit, you know, step B, step B, fuck. All right, he's out again. Step C, out again. And then eventually, um, when we got to the points time, I was like, fuck, man, I'm not going to risk it at this point. I could keep going and maybe exhaust myself trying to hit only submissions. But, um, I just don't think he's a better wrestler than me. So I'll just take him down and then go from there. And once, once he's down on points, at least that's my mentality. So, and I think a lot of people already picked it up, which is if I can't get the sub during sub only, then I'll just try to do something to get me ahead on points. So we, so there can be more openings for the submission. Cause once my opponent feels like, Oh shit, I'm down by two. Now I really got to do something right. Cause it's much easier to defend a submission. If you're not really being offensive. Um, you know, it's just kind of like, you'll throw something and then your hips are already like halfway out. Right. Um, so was, all right, let me just go ahead and go for a point and then get an opening. And then that's exactly what happened. I went for a takedown and then got the back from the takedown. Yeah. I mean, I thought that was an actually uh, very, very well-versed match. Uh, I saw that you had some thoughts on it. I wasn't sure if you got a moment to read some of those thoughts on it or if they had passed your way. But did you happen to see no. any of his reflections on that match? No, I haven't. I haven't. I just I haven't had time. All right. Really I mean, uh, I think it's one of those things where he's explaining from his perspective what that match was. And I think he was saying, and I could understand that perspective of, I don't think he's better than me and no disrespect. That dude won. But here's why I kind of think that I, in a different situation, uh, I could have done that. I think the weird part is this. 
the only reason I ask that is, is because I don't know how people interpret those things. And you seem like such a chill guy that you're like, yeah, dude, you should want to win. Like, cool. All good. So I wasn't sure if that was intercepted as that way, or if you read it, or if it made its way over to you and you were like, yeah, I had some thoughts on that. No, I mean, I haven't seen it, but, and this is what I tell my guys, at least at the gym, which is kind of like, I think one of the first steps in eventually becoming like someone who does like great things is that you have to have that belief, even if the, you know, even if the, even if facts are against you, like even if all the evidence is against you, you should still have the belief that you will, that you can win, that you can be great. Because I think that's one of the biggest motivating tools that you could, you know, put on yourself is just believing in yourself. So, I mean, if, if Adam thinks that he can beat me, um, I mean, obviously the evidence speaks against him because you know, I don't think he had like an offensive move the whole match, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's good. And I, I think he yeah. should, I think he should believe in himself. So something wrong with that. I think the, the nice part about that is I think there's a difference in doing due diligence from my side, which is always, Hey, did you read that? Did you see that? I don't know that I get caught up with it and I'm, apologizing if I didn't give proper context here, but that was basically the gist of it. And it's weird because I see how people interceive those or intercept those kind of messages. And for me, I'm just like, well, I'm not the other guy on the other side. For me, this seems pretty cut and dry. Like, yeah, okay, you, you thought you could win. You can win on a different day. Maybe, I don't know. But one thing I do like from those messages is it does open up the opportunities for future matches down the line. So that's something that I don't know if you would be receptive to or if that would be something that we could set up sometime down the line. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. One, 100%. Uh, and I think maybe also, cause you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that just because I'm not, I'm taking it well that everyone has to take it well, or like people who don't take it well are like doing it incorrectly because I mean, this is like my fun activity. So, you know, people, are saying whatever it doesn't really affect me or it's not going to affect me the same way you know maybe someone's like you know uh career or finances depend on it but yeah well a couple of things adam actually i talked to adam after the match and that kid is nice as hell man so i really like him a lot um but yes if he you know if he feels like maybe if i get a, a second shot that he can beat me i'm not going to take that away from him i'll give him a second shot and we can definitely do a future matchup or whatever yeah I mean, see, maybe you can, and maybe if he does beat me, it'll give me something to work on. Like, okay, he, you know, exposed a lot of holes that I didn't see in myself. That's what's up. And I, I did notice because I, I try to read these notes as carefully as possible because I know at some point they may come up. But from his perspective, and again, that note's gone. I think now it was on his stories. I was just like, it seems like a fairly respectful version of saying, like, hey, congrats to him. He was awesome today. I just, I feel in my heart I can beat him. And I go, yeah, that's within the realm of something I think is fair. For me, then it becomes, oh, a future match between you guys would be fun. Especially if you take the half and half element away from it, then it becomes like, hey, I feel I can beat his wrestling. How does that go in a different style and a different rule set? How does that go for him when he thinks he has these edges on you? So I think that makes for compelling. Let's watch that match uh, again. Having said that, we move on. We go to your next match and it is you versus adrian nez who is a tricky beast man like this kid is very dangerous in his own right 
that was a very, very close match. So tell me a little bit from your perspective on how that match went. That match was tough, man. Like really tough. And I, I liked it. It was one of my favorite matches because um, I always like when, not that I'm trying to like be disrespectful anyway, but I like when somebody's physique doesn't match their talent. And Adrian Ness's physique doesn't match his technical prowess. prowess. This man is technically a beast because, <clears throat> I mean, on, like if you watch that match, you can see that it looks like I'm always close to getting the submission, right? And, and the couple entries that I got, but never quite there. And that's because Adrian was doing it was doing his defense in that way because, and, and I don't know if you can see this in the video and I haven't replayed that match yet or I haven't gone back to rewatch it, but as I'm going for my own leg attacks, he's just defending so he can look for my own, for, for his own leg attack for my leg attack. So we're having that, those little battles within my, my initiation of a leg attack. So his technique was just beast. And I actually told him that man after the match and then on DMS, you know what I mean? Not that I'm going to reveal what, I've talked to about with people in DMs and stuff like that, but uh, yeah, I think that was my. He's his technique is extremely, extremely high, and we had a lot of little battles within our match. That if you look carefully, you can see because he's attacking my legs, I'm attacking his legs at the same time, and I truly didn't know. I was like, oh shit! Like I don't know what's gonna happen here. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, and he's a friend of the show too. I have seen him do excellent work and. I saw those two names go up and I go, oh, okay, that'll be very, very interesting. And yeah, you're right. I mean, the the difference in just, I guess, the weight classes, whenever you look at it, you always think like, yeah, you guys don't seem like the, the same weight class, but at the same point, the technique's right on. Like you guys were a really good back and forth and shot, reshot, counter, counter, like I was a big fan of that one. So uh, much respect for, for him on that. I have to say I was also equally as excited when I saw it was going to be you and Alex in the final. And here's why. I obviously know you well. Alex competed for us at Subversive. I really enjoyed his clash in the final for our side when we were doing that event. Having said that, I just thought he was on such a good run on his side. And you were this kind of like you know, you're the establishment, if you would. You're the guy who's been doing this so many times that I go, yeah, it's going to be really fun. And you made short work of him. And I want to know what was going through your mind when you knew you had him as a, an opponent because he had a very, very good set of matches going into it. And if you're doing the study, what did you find about him that you were doing when you were doing your download? And was it mostly from the matches that he had? Because that momentum was strong on that day. Yeah, on this one, I actually didn't do any research. As soon as I finished my semis, and um, I can't remember exactly who I was talking to, but my brother just came up. My brother, Sergio Ardella, by the way, uh, he ended up getting uh, in the round of 32, is I, I believe, where he lost. Um, and he, my brother and I have a very like similar uh, view on matches and strategizing and things of that nature. So he just came up to, to me and told me, he's like, hey, already looked up your finalist or your opponent in the finals and uh he's a wrestler go for the legs so i was like okay perfect yeah i just play my game uh i don't really have to do anything because i mean and that's kind of good because 
you know, sometimes when you're researching your opponents, right, if you feel like there's something they do really, really well, it can actually psych you out a little bit. Um, so, you know, in this one, I didn't have to do it myself. My brother just did it for me. So I just went into that match super relaxed, already thinking like, you know, he's going to try to blast me. Into, oh, he, actually, my brother told me, hey, he has a tendency to do a uh, blast double from the, from the whistle. And I don't know if you guys saw that match, but this man almost blew me away on that initial blast double. It, I don't know how I stayed upright. I got to be honest with you. In fact, um, let me look it up because I, I do want to give her a shout out. Sarah, Sarah Mays took a really nice picture of uh, Alex and I as I was walking back. Yeah. She just, I just posted on my Instagram, um, but I'm actually like, I'm walking back after he just like pushed me like six feet with the last <laughs> level and I'm walking back and we're both just laughing and, and um, yeah. And anyway, so she tagged me in that photo, Sarah, look at the last name, Sarah Mays, quick shout out. Thanks for the photo. It was amazing. Beautiful picture. Yeah. I did ask you already what it felt like to have the win again, but what were your overall thoughts after getting the submission and punching your fourth ticket to ADCC? Uh, I mean, yeah, like I said, I think this time, um, you know, I just, I just felt like I was going to do it. Um, you know, I, maybe on the last one, I had a little bit of doubt, which is why I was so like happy for myself when I won it. But this time, yeah, the only thing I can think of was just, I was kind of happy, but when I finished and I saw my, my teammates and my brother and how happy they were, I just think that was, that was really it. That's the only like memorable thing I can, I can pull from it, which is like celebrating with my, with my friends and seeing how happy they were. Yeah. That's what's up. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this because I'm looking down at the poll results here that we put up and the poll that we put up was, all right, everybody, how do we feel about this keeping the action on the mats versus letting it go off the mats? And it is a 50-50 split, but you're actually in the dance. You're actually out there competing. I have to ask, what are your thoughts and feelings about matches that go off the mats? Uh, I'm not a big fan, man. I mean, I'm just going to... Uh, you know, I gotta. I like, I like the rule sets of ADCC, but when you know when people are rolling into the fucking clothes rack or like the the bleachers and things like that, I'm just like, ah, look, man, and and, and maybe like like kind of like what we were talking about before. I'm really concerned for the safety of the people who are doing the sport. And, you know, when people are slamming each other on, like, hard concrete or into a fucking bleacher or something like that, I'm just like, come on, man. This is not – I don't want to see it, at least. Yeah, I mean, uh, the saddest part is uh, we, we put up the poll results, and one of the people who voted in the poll was Bobby Winther. And I was like, you don't get a vote. You're one of the culprits. We're talking about you. And he just laughed. I was like – you stay out of this. This is for everybody else. We know how you feel. You're fine. And then cut to the other side. I'm like, oh, it's Cody. God, it's all friends of the show. God, <laughs> so we're we're kind of we're kind of screwed over here. But I just feel like, listen, 
these athletes are doing what they need to do. Like maybe there's some nebulous language. Maybe we could have a lawyer look into it. I don't know, but there's some weird middle ground that I could understand if the action goes off the mats. The question is you're thinking athletes. I'm thinking audience, because if an audience member gets hurt, it's one thing if people are like, no, no, you tough it out. You're 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 an athlete, whatever. And I go, yeah, yeah. People have lots of dreams of grandeur of being these superhuman soldiers. But on the other side, I go, yeah, if an audience member gets hurt, that's a wrap. Like that's when you're fucked up. Yeah, and man, I mean, luckily, I I don't I don't know any of the people who are in the audience, but there were people with babies getting up to the mat, and I'm just like, yeah, you're right. You're people like. Uh, Cody, who's just straight body slamming people out of bounds and then keeping the action going. And you have a baby near there? Like, what do you mean, man? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yo, back up, man. Because th- this man's, <laughs> he's liable to do anything. So, but yeah, I, no, you're right. I think. What? I just, I, the, yeah, I mean, I didn't know the full situation in my head. I just see it as it's very strange to me if an organization puts in chairs post fact like they're smart enough to recognize like oh we're not going to put the chairs out right now why not now we'll do it at a a break oh because yeah we're gonna have some people go off so i'm like no you you thought about this you knew something could happen so it just means that when you have your hands in there like well i don't know what to do it's up on these guys i go i don't know that i love that and I don't know. I'm, I'm getting people's impressions and thoughts because I know I'm going to be talking to people who are like, yo, it's dope. I don't give a shit. Let them do it. So I want to continue a conversation about that. But all right, Paul, here's the thing. I know you have a call coming up very soon. So I want to get you off the, uh, the broadcast because I know you have things to do and I'm very excited about it. One of the things that you do have coming up, you have a jiu-jitsu camp and it does look like it is happening November 12th through 19th. And if people are interested, they can go over to BJJCampRio.com. What is going on at that? It sounds like they're getting some good stuff. You're giving them rash guards. You're giving them some breakfast. And then there's a weird part that just says surprises. So what is coming up for these folks? And I guess you won't give away the surprise, but what could they expect that they are allowed to know so far? That's right. So um, me, Sergio Ardella, Ernesto Rivera, Juan Carnero, Jucal, also known as Jucal, we're doing a camp in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, November 12th to the 19th. Um, the surprises are some excursions uh, that we're planning on doing. I won't name them exactly right now. But apart from that, we actually have some special guests, uh, ADCC vets, because uh, I don't want to give it away, who will also be uh, in that camp. You don't want to miss out. We will all be teaching our best techniques and Surely our special guests will also be showing some things. You will get a rash guard. You will get food. Um, unfortunately, we already sold out out of all the hotel packages, so we only have camp only. But, I mean, if you need any help trying to figure out possible stay, maybe I can help you out. But pretty much you don't want to miss out on this camp. It's going to be amazing. Apart from the camp, Rio de Janeiro is one of my uh, favorite cities in the world. It's extremely beautiful, and there's like you will not have, I'm not going to guarantee it, but very likely you will not have one negative interaction the whole time you're down there. And the only thing that will suck is just getting on that flight back. That I can guarantee. 
<laughs> what sucks about the flight back? Is it just that you're you're missing it? Is it uh, a remnant from the surprise that comes with you? Like, what what is happening here on the flight back that you're just feeling your feels that you you leave this wonderful grand paradise? Is that what you're alluding to? Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, you, you'll leave with the rash guard and the other things that we have for you. But yeah, no, absolutely. Le- leaving Rio sucks because you're like, God, I got to leave this paradise back to work, back to, especially because it's in November, back to the cold, back to all the stuff. And you're like, I can't believe I just had the best week of my life. <laughs> well, I guess one thing is don't live in Atlanta if you're expecting cold to not happen there. The nice part when you tell me cold is happening in LA, I just go like sweater. Am I wearing <laughs> like what am I doing here? It's not getting that cold. So I guess it just is regionally. You know, I always like to end these things by doing a couple things. The first is always to give shout outs, which I will let you do. But before I get to the shout outs, I do want to ask you, do you mind telling us what a win at ADCC would mean to you at next year's world, sir? I mean yeah, you, I remember ask, you asking me this question last year. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think a win is still extremely important for me. Um, you know, it's just a goal of mine. I really want to do well at ADCC Worlds. Um, it's, and I think this year, maybe because I'm getting older, I don't know, maybe more emotional or something. I'm not really sure. Maybe more in tune with the things that are actually, the reality of the things that are happening around me. I've, I'm really like noticing, even though this is an individual sport, how much of a team effort uh, goes into it and exactly how much people will feel for you when you lose and be happy for you and happy for themselves when you win. So, you know, I really want to do that for everyone, get some W's, make people happy. So, you know, apart from it meaning a lot to me, I know it'll mean a lot to my team as well. So. That's what's up. And I have to say, shout out your brother, dude. There's nothing better than seeing you and your brother going out there. And uh, he had a hell of a run as well. So give him our best. I just love the fact that when I see you guys out there, I just think that's that's a very cool and special thing to be able to do with a sibling and, and have that much fun going out there and competing. That's right. And, you know, since, since you told me about shout outs, I want to go ahead and give a shout out to my brother, Sergio Ardilla, who is also an attorney. And, you know, everyone takes inspiration from me, but I can't help it, man. Anytime I talk about my family, I always get emotional. I just can't help it. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's my inspiration. So hold on, just waiting to see if you're going to cry here. So I'm just going to keep that camera on you until you, I see a tear. <laughs> just figuring it out. No, no good, I think I'm that's good. dope. I, I, I have to say, man, when I see the two of you going out there and competing, uh, it, it's so cool to to have that experience. I, I wanted to ask, is there anybody else you want to give a shout out to your team? I know you were mentioned them several times through, but I want to give you an official time. I'm going to put you on the camera so that you can go ahead and do what you need to do, sir. Gotcha. So of course, shout out to my brother, like I just mentioned, shout out to my little adopted brother, Ernesto Rivera, who also went out and made the round of eight, I believe at 77 kilograms. Uh, he's a beast as well, and we have three more trials uh, because we'll be doing the South American trials and then West Coast trials, both for my brother Sergio Ardilla and my little adopted brother Ernesto Rivera. Uh, they shout out for the rest of my team, uh, my friend Kevin Grapples, um, whose actual name is Kevin Sherrill, but I call him Kevin Grapples. 
And then, of course, my coach, Juan Carnero Jucal, uh, head coach of ATT, and one of my best friends as well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Thanks for all my training partners, always giving me so much strength and helping me out. That's what's up. Paul, I have to tell you, man, I was so happy for you. I, I know how much work you put into this, and I know how great it is to be able to uh, replicate it and, and break a new record. So much credit to you, sir. It made me so happy just to see you you get up and, and do it all over again, even if it's the fourth time. I still was incredibly <laughs> happy for you, even though by all means, I should probably not be because I'm like, eh, it's all news. But I just knew. I was like, well, I know when we do the interview, uh, we'll get some fantastic insight. And I believe that we truly did. So, Paul, I'm going to say bye to you off air in just a second here, but I'm going to go and close this up. My thanks to you for coming on today. And, and again, can't say enough good words about you, my friend. Thank you, man. All right, you guys, that's going to do it for us here. But a couple quick reminders before we go. Hi.page backslash grappling hour. Become a member. Five bucks a month. You see these interviews 30 days before anybody else. For a few extra dollars, you can see tape studies, breakdowns of my matches with athletes where they roast me. And of course, you can see other additional bonus content episodes that you won't see anywhere else. And if you like that and you watch this all the way through, go ahead and put down here on the bottom in the comment section, let us know, hmm, let us know what are the odds and the percentages that you think of the opponents that Paul has faced that have been on steroids? Because he can't say it. He can't. I know. It's a little weird. But you guys can say it, so you can put that in the comments section. And last thing, join our Discord to continue the conversations that we have on this show. Guys, it has been a blast. It's been a great day for grappling. We'll see you back on the mats. Perfect.